0: Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. your mighty name, amen. Amen, why don't you take a seat? Thank you, worship team. Fantastic. And thank you, Jess. What a great job you did. Awesome. Loved it. She brings a fun, doesn't she? She brings an incredible fun to it. And... Uh, our, uh, our services do go up on YouTube a couple of days after after um, we we after a Sunday, but I'm going to kind of encourage our our tech team to wait a little bit because uh, Morella's not here. She's already over visiting her mum for Christmas, and uh, so I'm hoping she doesn't hear this uh, for a couple of days. So if you could just wait till Christmas, it'd be great. Thanks, production team, because I actually had to phone a friend for Morella's present as well. Just saying. In desperation, I had to had to call uh, our beautiful executive assistant and say, uh, "Do you reckon this would work?" And she goes, "No." <laughs> so it was the best thirty cents I've ever made on a phone call ever. I can tell you because it absolutely wouldn't have worked. So uh, phoning a friend at Christmas time is a great thing to do when you need a present. Phoning a friend at Christmas time might be the best thing that you've ever done. phoning a friend at Christmas time. You see, we can have a festive spirit and enjoy what we're doing and, you know, we're on holidays and we're overindulging already, as, uh, as Steve said, yet for many, they're working. Freddie prayed for our, our emergency services. It's not just the he's out there. It's our police and ambulance and SES and all the other workers who are out there as well. And so I just want to encourage you at this time is, is you know, if you've finished work or maybe this afternoon or at some time, just phone a friend. Wish them a Merry Christmas, but don't just talk to them, listen to what they've got to say. Because it might be that they're coming off one of the most challenging years that they've had and that your phone call can make a difference for them. I'm going to get into the scriptures today and I'm going to read uh, two texts for you first one is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24. And the second one will be from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. They should be up on the screens. Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 24. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. The virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. The second text is from Luke chapter 2, 1 to 5. Now in those days, a decree went out from the emperor, Caesar Augustus, that all the inhabited world, the Roman Empire, should be registered in a census. This was the first census taken while Quinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to register for the census, each to his own city. So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was with child. Neither of these passages speak of the actual birth of Jesus. You know, the sturdy manger out the back of the four-star hotel with a nice clean hay surrounded by woolly sheep and nice smelling shepherds. Isn't it funny the stories you learnt in Sunday school? We have this impression that the birth was probably some beautiful thing. I think if we asked our midwives in here, it probably wasn't a really beautiful thing. It was actually probably a birth in a cave but that's okay. Yet the importance of the prayer, obedience, the crying out to God in anguish that we just read out in those scriptures, the key decisions made during this time were paramount to the greatest birth ever recorded. The two scriptures we read did not talk about the actual birth of Jesus Yet in those two scriptures is the stuff we talk about still 2,000 years later. You know, in three days' time, the world will stop for Christmas. The world will stop and celebrate Christmas Day. My family lived in the Middle East for five years. We even stopped and celebrated Christmas Day there. Whether people understand it or not, somewhere along the line, they do know that on that day, they're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And Christmas Day is really important. But I am so very mindful that we can get caught up celebrating the event of Christmas that we miss reflecting on how we actually got there. The same can be said on our faith journey. I've shared on many occasions that the the strength of C3 Hobart will not be by the numbers we draw or the, the way we do our events, but the way we're prepared to walk the journey with people. I've titled this message, Nine Months. And in the lead up to the actual day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I want to spend just a few moments and share some thoughts on how we can thrive on the journey and not just survive on the pregnancy. And I say that with all due respect because I learned very, very quickly through the, uh, the guidance of my wife and the sheer fear I felt around Sharon in her pregnancy with Tess that the most foolish thing for a man to do is to imply that we know what it's like to be pregnant. <laughs> to even contemplate that we know the discomfort of getting out of bed what it's like to have your head over the toilet bowl with morning sickness, the aches and pains associated with pregnancy, to even, to even contemplate, lads, that we think we know what we're doing is akin to spending many nights on the couch. Without jest, though, I do speak with the utmost humility around pregnancy, understanding that the, it's a challenging journey for many, many couples. But I wanted to give three thoughts around the journey of Christmas. The first is this, do it afraid. Do it afraid. Joyce Meyer in her book titled Do It Afraid says this, one of the many benefits to a faith-filled Christian life is that we can prayerfully and considerately continue to step forward knowing that God has cleared the path and prepared the way. She goes on to say this, it is when we step out of alignment with God that fear overtakes freedom. In the first scripture that we read, Joseph must have been flabbergasted when Mary sat him down and had that conversation. Can you imagine that conversation? We read that Joseph was a man of integrity he was seen as a righteous man. He was, he was a carpenter or some would say a stonemason. He, he was a tradie of some sort. He was engaged to Mary and they had plans and dreams to probably one day start a family. But all in the right timing. And then to be told that Mary was pregnant was probably indescribable. And we can we can look at the scriptures and we can think to ourselves, well, Joseph was just kind of like this this fairy tale character and 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 he'll get over it. Joseph was a human just like me and you. And so he had a number of options. And the scriptures say that he, that he planned to divorce her or to break off the engagement quietly in order not to embarrass her because when they were engaged there, they were, they were bonded together, although they weren't actually married in the time. So, so he, he had planned, it says, the scripture said that he planned to divorce her or break the engagement quietly in order not to embarrass her. You see, he actually had the option to publicly embarrass her and run the risk of her getting stoned. Notwithstanding Joseph's situation, we read in in an earlier text in Luke chapter 1, verse 29 to 30, it says, Mary wasn't really down with this plan either. I mean, she had to have the conversation with Joseph, but she wasn't really down with the plan either. Scholars say that, that Mary was probably a young teenage girl, and I'm not sure that being pregnant was on her plans. Verse 29 says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel says this, don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. Isaiah 58, 11 says this, it says, the Lord will guide you Always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. You see, the same favor that God gave to Mary is over you. In Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, we read this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. This is a gift from God not by works so that no one can boast about it. Look what I did, that's why I'm saved. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we have received favor, not by what we can do, not by who we are, not by titles after our name. We have it because it is a gift from God. How often do we miss though, God's prompting in our life because we don't understand, and therefore we're fearful over what the journey might look like. The scriptures tell us that we have found favor, that we receive favor from God, yet often we miss the promptings in our life. Now, for Mary, it was pretty obvious. She was pregnant. Let's face it, on this journey, God's purpose would have been fulfilled. If Mary had have said, well, no thanks. If Joseph had have said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not having this conversation with you. God's purpose still would have been fulfilled. He still would have taught in the temples. He still would have healed the sick and gave sight to the blind and broken stronghold because that is God's purpose for this world. He still would have died on a cross and rose three days later because it was God's plan and purpose for humanity. But the story of Christmas may have been very, very different. But here is the key. Verse 38, Mary said this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. And in Matthew 1:24, it says this, When Joseph awoke from his dream... He did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and took Mary as his wife. At the heart of the Christmas story is two people that God chose, who, despite less than ideal situations, refused to allow the insidious nature of fear to pervade their lives, and instead said yes and amen. The second point is this: embrace the journey. First one is do it afraid. The second one is is embrace the journey. Let's get straight to the point here. Joseph didn't wake up one morning and call Mary and say, hey, I know you're uh, nine months pregnant and having trouble getting out of bed, but I reckon it would be a great baby moon adventure if we uh, walked to Bethlehem. I mean, I kind of have this little thing that we've got to deal with, but don't stress, it's only about a 90-mile journey. So we should be there in about six to seven days. Is that okay? I know it's uh, rugged terrain. So maybe put on your best sandals. I know that it's a little bit hilly. In fact, Mary, uh, the last 600 metres heading up to, uh, to Bethlehem is, is actually straight uphill. And the time of year that that, that we celebrate Christmas, if you actually go back, the biblical scholars would say that it was probably fairly cold and there was a lot of driving rain. But don't worry, Mary, we'll get there. And we don't sit around the kitchen table at the start of every year and go, well, there's a journey ahead of us this year. I'm going to choose the hardest way to get there. We don't sit there and go, well, actually, I'm thinking about this. Family, let's sit around. We're going to get to Christmas next year, and we're going to hope to do it the hardest way possible. Yet, you see, Joseph, on this journey, had a situation. He didn't have a choice. He was required by law to go and get done, to get marked off in the census. And we can face situations that can be challenging. Or we can just get in there and make the journey. We can kick and scream and say, well, no, I can't do it, or you've got to provide me the, the, the best donkey. Did Mary ride, ride a donkey to Bethlehem? I'll let you ponder that one. You see, we can, we can go, well, I'm not doing it unless I have all of the tools available. I'm not making the journey unless I have the best... Things available. I'm not doing it unless everything is planned out perfectly in front of me. The journey is not always easy. Sometimes we have to embrace the journey that we've got before us. Sometimes we have to face a situation and go, that's not the way I planned it, but you know what? We're going to get up and we're going to walk today and we're going to do it. And then tomorrow we're going to walk again. And there might be predators out there. And and the pathway that they took. They believed that there was, they, they often went in caravans of people or in congregations of people because it was too dangerous. And, and we, can, we can hide in bed and we can go, well, no, woe is me, I'm not going to do this. Or we can go, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep walking each day. I'm going to put on my armor each morning. And I have a fair idea that each day Joseph and Mary got up and they thanked God. Even though Mary was nine months pregnant as she started this journey and she had 90 miles before her and she had the aches and pains, you know, the courage to be able to get up and do this. Psalm 37, 23 says this, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You see, when you can't see the road ahead of you, know that God has already prepared a pathway for the righteous. In fact, before you were born, God had a plan established for you. When you can't prepare your own plan, know that God declares a plan over your life. All the creatures know about you and you have dominion over them. When you can't take that next step on your journey, know that God delights so much that He would search for you and carry you on His shoulders in order that you do not suffer anymore. When you stumble and you can't carry on, know that God takes out His hand and He lifts you up. This Christmas season, if you feel like you're on the last couple of miles, getting to the event of Christmas. You're on those last few miles and it's 600 metres of incline, heading up and getting into Bethlehem. And you feel like you can't carry on. Know that it says, though, you may, though he may stumble, you will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with, your, with his hand. The third one is this. God's gifts are more than we need. God's gifts are more than we will ever need. Earlier this year, Pastor Claude spoke a message to our church and, uh, around recognizing and conquering complacency. And he said, Complacency takes hold when we arrive at a place called comfortable and make it our security. Many times we can get caught up in the machinations of, of making Christmas work that we have become complacent in actually remembering that the story of Christmas is about a God that loved us so much that he knew the journey we were on because he's there with us. God knows what your next 365 days will be between this Christmas and the next. He loves you so much that he would exceed anything that you can think of this Christmas till next. It doesn't say it'll be easy. But he says that God will be with you always. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us see the amplified version says it like this now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly i love that word do super abundantly more than all we ever dared to ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers hopes or dreams according to his power that is in work within us the thing is though is that we become so frightened about the journey ahead is that we forget to actually ask god We get into survival mode and we just go day by day by day. I can imagine those 90 miles. Those 90 miles. Biblical scholars estimate that they went about two and a half kilometers an hour. Remember, she's nine months pregnant. There was 90 miles for a nine-month pregnant woman to get to where would be the birth of the savior and yet we can get caught up thinking to ourselves the journey's too hard so i'm not even going to try i'm not even going to try and do that because there's 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 predators out there there's there's ways out there who are going to try and make me fall But what I love about it is is not so much the birth of Jesus. Of course, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but it's the journey to get there. And for many, you set out from last Christmas to this Christmas. And as you've walked along, there's been moments where you've had to sit on the rock and stop. And there's been moments as you've sat on the rock. And I reckon Mary and Joseph sat on a few rocks and they cried. Why? I reckon there were still conversations being had along those 90 miles of Joseph has sort of said to Mary, really? You're pregnant? How? I don't get this. And sometimes we're not meant to get it. Sometimes we're not meant to understand it. I reckon Mary in her own mind was going, I'm pregnant. How? Sometimes we're not meant to understand it. Sometimes we're meant to just say, I put my faith and my trust in you, God, that each step I will take, that you have gone before me, you've cleared the path, and when I will stumble, you put out your hand and you'll pick me up. You see, that's the God that we celebrate. Every day. Every day. In the journey. Every day. I believe that when we are obedient and prayerful and in step with God, that He will exceed our requests. God always wants to answer in an exceedingly abundantly way. He wants to give us more than we can ask for and He wants to show off through us. I believe that when we are obedient and prayerful on the journey, that He will exceed our thoughts that the God of heaven has prepared an inheritance for us that is way above and beyond the biggest plans that we could ever set in place. I believe that when we are obedient and prayerful on the journey and in step with God, that He will exceed our dreams. The dreams and visions sent to us from above are beyond anything that we could ever imagine. I believe that when we are obedient and prayerful and in step with God that he will exceed our own abilities. You see the anointing of the Holy Spirit exceeds our abilities in every area of our own life. His supernatural abilities will exceed our human abilities beyond comparison. Mary and Joseph didn't physically ability you know what I'm talking about? The birth of Jesus was supernatural. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life, which is available for all, will exceed anything that you can do in the physical. You see, the very idea that God's plan to save the world involved Him becoming like His very creation blows my mind. The very idea that God's plan to take a teenage girl and a carpenter and put them on a 90 mile journey that was full of challenges and, and brokenness and, and, and stuff that happened blows my mind. It blows my mind because it's soaked in a love that exceeds anything that I could ever imagine. You see, this Christmas, we can set our plans in place. And it's good to set our plans in place, to have our goals and our dreams. But I want to encourage that there is nothing, there's nothing that we can put in place that is of value if it doesn't involve God. You see, God wants to be part of every part of our life. God wants to be involved on every step of that 90 miles. God wants to be involved on every day of that nine-month pregnancy. And there will be aches and pains. And there will be some challenges along the way. I want to finish with a photo that a friend of mine took late last year. Not that one, uh, the other one to Curtis I sent you. A little bit difficult to see but it's actually a photo taken by a friend of mine who was over in the area at the time and this photo is taken standing at the top of what they call the Herodian which is a palace built by Herod the Great about 20 years before Jesus was even born And my friend was standing on top of that and you can't see the white writing, but right in the middle, it says Bethlehem. To the side of it, it says the church of the nativity. You see, Herod, who was king of the Jews at the time Jesus was born, wanted a home that was a a monument to his power and his glory. So it's recorded that he used slaves to build a mountain 758 metres high and then built his palace on top of the mountain. You see, because to Herod, this was the culmination of his journey of power over others. This is what he wanted to be known for. This was his journey. The Herodian where my friend was standing is just a few miles from Bethlehem. And it's more than likely that Mary and Joseph walked past the palace on their way to Bethlehem. And my friend said that as he took the photo, he wondered if Mary, nine months pregnant and in all probability in major agony from the walk, was aware that she was passing the home of Herod, who was appointed King of the Jews but that she was indeed carrying the anointed King of the universe. You see, here's the take-home point this Christmas. As my friend stood on the jagged rocks that made up this hill, he noted that Herod's palace was in complete ruins. And apart from a few chapters in history, his reign is largely forgotten. Yet just a few miles away, And with little fanfare was born the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one to which it is written, unto us a saviour is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counsellor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Heavenly Father, I just want to bring this season before you. Lord God, for many of us on a journey, we walk past the palace and We take the time and we're on a bit of a journey and we we look at what others have and what maybe we don't have and what we strive for. Lord God, I I pray that at this period of time that we will keep our eyes firmly focused on you. That Heavenly Father, as we get up in the morning, as we go to bed, Lord God, we will seek your face. You see, Herod's palace was in ruins and he's, he's largely forgotten. But Lord God, there is no end to what you have done. There is an increase of government and peace. The government is upon your shoulders. Your name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to your reign. So Lord God, I just pray that at this time of Christmas, you'll help us just refocus and do the journey well. That you'll just guide us in each step we take. And though we may stumble, Lord God, you will be there to pick us up. And that Heavenly Father, though we might get some things wrong, Lord God, we know that you've cleared a path before us. It may be the first time this Christmas that you've ever heard a Christmas message like this. You've come into church today because it's the thing to do at Christmas time. Or a friend has invited you. And maybe this journey this last year has been really challenging, and you just you just can't wait to get to three days' time. But if God has been speaking to you today that maybe your focus has been a little bit off and you want to get right with him just while all eyes are closed across this place, I'd love you just to put up your hand because we would love to pray with you at the end. As all eyes are closed, just if there's anybody here who where God's been speaking to you and and, and you want to do the journey well, just raise your hand and then we're just, you can raise it and then just put it down. Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.